gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and we are broadcasting from the greenhouse booth at HR Tech. This is 7116. If you're in the neighborhood, come by and holler us. Got Kevin and Amy on right now. We're going to talk a little bit about interviewing, some of the things we could do better, etc. While we do introductions, Amy, why don't you do introduce yourself? Yep, Amy Cropper. I am here as a practitioner. I'm in transition right now to a new opportunity of a VP of a TA, so I'll share more about that soon. Oh, yeah. What are you looking for? Looking for a leadership role in TA, a TA operations. So, okay. Yeah. TA operations. Yeah. You've been to some really small companies, if I remember right? Yeah, very small. Accenture and Amazon. Yeah. You might have heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Real yeah. tiny. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, good luck in your pursuit, of course. Thank you very much. And Amy is awesome. Yes. Looking 100%. Awesome. And so uh, is Jason. Thank you. Jason Putnam. I'm the CRO of Plum. And what does Plum do? So we are a talent platform. We just won product of the year. It was just dropped off at our booth. Oh, my God. Right now. From That's HR fantastic. Tech. Congratulations. Um, thank That's you. So not easy. Uh, our whole thing is look at the whole human, put the human first, use that to screen people in and through their entire career journey. I love that. Okay. All right. So we're going to do a couple of things. First question, Amy, we'll start with you. A, a time in which a candidate asked you a question that you really loved. So not necessarily like a stumper or anything like that, but just one of them where you kind of like took me like, that's a cool question. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that one for a moment. You All just right. did a bunch of interviews. Does one pop into your head? Yeah. Uh, I do. We did, uh, we've grown a lot and we've hired a bunch of people, probably grown about 30% in the last year. Yep. Uh, we hired two people recently and one of them who's uh, on the younger end, very much embrace the, hey, it's not what you can do, what I can do for you, but what can you do for me as a company? And a lot yep. of his questions were around that, which we appreciate as a company. And it was very much, hey, he was telling me, I'm married, I have a kid, here's my life balance. Like, I'm going to come in and crush it, but how does your work culture and your timeline, and we're all 100% remote, fit into my culture and my important things at home mm -hmm. and what he values at home? And I thought it was fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Something I would have never asked. No. That's, yeah. Well, I love it. I think, I think people are more willing to ask questions about maybe, you know, employee resource groups, for right. example, or things, you know, groups they identify with, and what's the experience of someone in your company that's, you know, that, that's living that. And so I've not necessarily been able to answer the questions from the same perspective, but I've been able to hook them up with someone that does work for Amazon that's LGBTQ, for example. Right. And so I think... It's great that candidates feel more comfortable asking those questions so that they can understand how they fit in and, like you said, what the company can do for them. Yeah. So how do we, you all consult and you got clients and you interact with a lot of people. How do we get, how do we get people past the resume or the LinkedIn profile? In, in Texas, we have this phrase, it's, uh, I hear what you're not saying. <laughs> and so there's a, there's a whole lot of things on the resume, but there's also a whole lot of stuff that's not there that we'd like to know, et cetera. So what's been your, Amy, what's, what's been your trick or your take on how do you get past the resume? I mean, usually I just ask them to kind of give me the spiel at the beginning so right. we can get that out of the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then I go to the things that are interesting, right? And the things that I think are going to tell me more about how they would behave in the role or how, you know, the experiences that they've had could relate. Um, but I'm not, not a following down the list and going chronologically type of person. And I think it's really hard in a short interview to assess more about who that person is, how they approach work, um, and how we might work together. But that's what I want to get to. And, you know, I'm sure Jason probably has something to say about that. Uh, I do. <laughs> the, I care much more about what's not on the resume than what's right. on the resume personally. It's what, why I chose Plum versus other places. The uh, William and I are on the same age curve. So when we grew up, it was very much 
what what can you do for the company? And also you have to have this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. right. What I have found is that then makes us not be our same person at work as we are at home. 100%. And what I find is when you bring your whole self to work and you can be exactly who you are, it doesn't mean we have to like you, but you're gonna be significantly more comfortable and produce more in your job. And when you right. go home, you're gonna be a better partner, father, all those things. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. What great answers. Oh I think I've, I can't tell you how many times actually that I've been in meetings where we've done like the disc profile or something like that and people get halfway through the assessment and they're like, wait, is this like me personally or like at work? Right. And that's like <laughs> the core of the problem that you just said. Yeah, because, just pick and one. The and answer was always that. like, what's your gut reaction? Like what's truly your response? Which should be the way that you can be both places. Ideally, and psychometric right? data you are not a different, based on science, you're not a different person at work as who you are at home. Sure. What you've done is you've put up this facade of who sure. you think you should be. Sure. And, you know, in this or interview. Or who they want you to be. Who they want yeah. you to be. And in this interview process, I hired a lot, I interviewed a lot of reps from a lot of big companies who are here. Um, and Plum, you know, we, we're a great place to work. We're top 50 employer in the world. We were just voted it. But they all came in with, it, especially women, right, who are at big companies. They came in with this facade of here's who I think I should be. And by the second interview, I'm like, cool, cool. I, I know that's who you are at work, but who are you at home? Yeah. And their personality changed immediately. Yeah. I'm like, that's the person I want to interview, yeah. not right. that person. Not the other yeah. person. And exactly. they all appreciated it. It was yeah. so great for them and me. Yeah. I love that. And it's I, much more of a conversation. It's a much more enjoyable process, I think, for both sides of the interview. Yeah. And it, yeah. again, it gives them the freedom to then tell you, yeah, this is what I believe. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. Mm -hmm. This will thrive. Yep. This is where I won't thrive, et cetera. Mm -hmm. All right. Next question is around reducing bias. So personally, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we can completely eradicate hiring bias, but I believe that we can do a lot of things to reduce bias. Mm -hmm. So Jason, I'll start with you. What's your take on reducing kind of hiring bias, interview bias, et cetera? I think what's broken is who gets to the interview. I think that's actually, on the TA side, that's 100% the problem. Right. And we've made this problem, so you get 100. Is that a sourcing thing? I think it's an everything thing. Okay. okay. So you get 100 resumes, and they expect recruiters to go through 100 resumes manually without bias, right. and every human has bias in some standpoint. 100%. And it's not intentional bias, just human bias. But we can't make decisions there, so we have to get a, a cohort of those to a structured interview. Right. But who gets to that interview is we build people, process, and technology. Everyone here is enabling that. But a hiring manager is gonna say, I want Amy, you're the recruiter, I want 10 years experience. But if William has eight and a half, he's out. You may be the best fit. Right. If my name was Jerome and not Jason, I'm at a six-year career disadvantage. But right. you can't interview all hundred people. So who gets to the structured interview is actually the problem, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Mm -hmm. I love that. What a great answer. Yeah. What's your take? Um, I think, honestly, I, I agree with everything you said. I think we really need to fo focus on the interviewers. And if we are still going to do interviews, right, and not use AI and replace the whole TA function and all that jazz, sure. um, you know, there's, there's bias happening there, right? And let's at least use some tech to surface where that bias might be coming up. Maybe it's been happening all along, we didn't know it. Maybe, maybe some of the AI can help us surface that data, identify where there are some problems in our processes and just kind of do that internal review of our interviewers and our hiring managers to, to inspect. Right, yeah. right, right. I like the quality assurance part of that. It's like, okay, you know what, we do it, and we let's check to make sure. Yeah. Are we doing this Trust correctly? Trust but validate. It's like being a parent of a teenager. <laughs> True. Trust but verify. Yes. There we go. 100%. Yeah. That's Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> Trust but verify. All right, resume gaps, uh, employment gaps. What's your current take on employment gaps? And Amy, I'll ask you first. I don't have any issue with it. I think that the pandemic has made that a lot 
easier of a right. conversation for people that have them. My husband has one, yep. and I've talked to him about how to, to, to talk about it. And I honestly think people shouldn't be talking about it. I don't right. think it's necessary to like make everything line up neatly in LinkedIn. If they want to talk about it in the interview, great. If they don't, great. Um, and I do think one good thing coming out of the pandemic is more awareness that people took breaks for whatever reason, right. changed careers, made a pivot, right. whatever. So I think that's positive. Yeah, I, I personally don't care, but I want to know why. And I don't, don't want to know why because I have a problem with the gap. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know the story as why there is a gap. So if you left a company... Mm -hmm. If they're comfortable telling the story. Yeah, and right. if you yeah. do it right in an interview and you do the human part, they probably left the company because they hated it or it wasn't a good fit right. or the culture was bad. And if that's the case, I want to know what was bad there and make sure... It's yeah. much more important for me when I bring somebody in. That decision's... I take that decision much deeper that they're betting on us than we're betting on them. We can always fire them tomorrow. Right. But they're making a decision to come there. And a lot of times we say no to people because we're going to perpetuate some of the same issues they had somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So if it's different or you're looking for something different and that's why you have the gap, that's why I want to know the story. I love that. It's funny because someone said earlier, that like, listen, what's the worst case scenario? You were fired from your last job. Okay. Well, tell the story. Right. Like, let people know. Like, hey, listen, I was let go from my last job and here's Here's what was going on. Here's the story. Mm -hmm. And and you know what? If this DQs me out of the process, okay. Well, then. Yep. It's who I am. It's my journey. Right? That's right. And the question we should be asking is, cool, that happened. Mm -hmm. It's happened to everyone. Right. What did you learn? Right. right. Because if, if you were, I'll use sales. Oh, that's good. If you weren't hitting your targets, right. maybe maybe the targets were too high. There's a story. But if it was, hey, I was kind of lazy. Yeah, yeah, Right? And I thought it'd be easy. Cool. What did you learn? Well, I've learned to organize my day this way. Right. I think that's great. Yeah. I want somebody that has that insight or has actually done the reflection. But again, back to Amy's point, if they're comfortable telling the story. Right. It might right. be personal, right? It might, it might have personal. been a medical situation with someone in right. your family or yourself. Health care, exactly. something like that. Exactly. You know what? Only if you're, question, if, if you're comfortable, great, let's do it. If you're not comfortable, mm -hmm. we'll just move on to the next thing. Yep. All right. Skills. i got to ask both of you the question around, have your take currently on transferable skills, tertiary skills? skills uh, in terms of hiring for now versus kind of the potentiality like what do you what's your take right now on just skills themselves and how you hire and I'll start with you Amy. I think you should go first Jason. well I'll start with Jason <laughs> all right soapbox because this is what we do yeah right so there's two That's kinds of skills start. there's hard skills what you can learn right. I can learn Excel learn to dig dishes there's soft skills which don't change right right so the transferable skills from that perspective but if we focus on hard skills, there's some problems. We have to know if somebody can do the job. If they're a CFO, they have to know Excel, or we have to teach them. But the half-life of skills is at an all-time low. It's two and a half years. Right. So if I hire you today, two and a half years from now, you're irrelevant from a hard skills perspective. That's right. And it's getting lower and lower. Yeah. And there's less people working. Yeah. And 27% of people are actually using their college degree in their job. So why the hell do they matter? Now, if you're a doctor, I need you to be a doctor. Yeah, I understand that. Right. Cardiothoracic right, surgeon. I get that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, who you are as a human is going to determine if you're going to be happy, fulfilled, and thrive in that job. Mm -hmm. And many things are transferable. And most important, many things are teachable. And it's going to be irrelevant in two and a half years anyway. Right. I love that. Yeah. Okay. We're, what do you got? This one, this one is like such a core problem right now. And there's okay. so many ways to think about it. And I, I, I think there's... The, the part that I'm struggling with is I'm working with a client right now that 
um, has government contracts, right? Yeah. So they have to go around labor categories, and labor oh, categories yeah. have five years of experience, oh, right? Yeah. So how is that company? So yeah, maybe they could do a, a plum assessment or something, and they can assess you know their, their potential or their ability to work in these types of jobs in this type of company. But somebody's got to assess the hard skills, you know. Five years on a resume is easier to assess than a skill per se. Right. But I think there's situations where you're still going to have to do that assessment, and because it's such a dynamic, always changing, the way to approach it, I just I feel like nobody's quite cracked the the balance there. Yeah. Because it's both. So here's how like to pile on that, which I agree. There's kind of three things that are important, and it depends. It is the job is a hard skill needed for the job. Right. Right. Again, I'm not going to hire a CFO who doesn't know Excel. Right. So if you think about it as a globe. Longitude and latitude are the two points that you need. Right. Longitude, hard skills. Latitude, soft skills. We call it psychometric skills. But there's also altitude, which is aptitude in the skill. I, I could be a CFO for 10 years and be really bad at Excel. Right. I may know it, right? So that's you need to have all three elements. Right. And then determine, is this job, are soft skills enough, transferable skills? I should use the soft skills stuff first to screen people in, then the hard skills, then the aptitude of that skill. Right. And really ask the hiring manager, like how good do they have to be at these things to actually do the job? That's what I've got. I've been getting a lot of hire for the skills that they need now, but more importantly, the skills they need in the future. Interesting. So being agile, when we look at skills like, okay, they have skills now, check, 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 all the mm -hmm. things you just said, but do they have the ability to then change and adapt those new skills or mm -hmm. adopt those new skills, get training, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I think traditionally, you know, skills are, were at the beginning of the process, right? right. And the way you posed it is it's at the end, right? Let's make sure that the other elements are there and then, you know, focus on that maybe well, more. And again, yeah. it's got to have the desire to want to build the skills, right. which is a completely different conversation. And right. we have to do it that way because of the way we set up who gets to the interview. Right. Right. So I have to say, okay, do you know this? Yes. The recruiter does, or they don't, you're terrified to send it to the hiring manager. Right. Okay, 10 years. Okay, this geography. But a lot of that is so relevant, right. but you have to have it as a stand-in or you, mm -hmm. can't, you can't go through 100 resumes. That's right. Right. That's right. All right, two last questions. One's on ghosting. And this is okay. ghosting from a perspective of candidates ghosting recruiters and hiring managers, hiring managers, recruiters ghosting candidates. So I've had the spectrum of answers today from it really isn't a big thing, it's always been done, who cares, why are we still talking about it, to recruiters should never, ever ghost a candidate, ever, there's no excuse for it, it's unprofessional, blah, 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 blah. And I've had that same answer for candidates. So I've had the full spectrum. So while I start with you, yeah. what's your bid on, uh, on ghosting? Uh, I'll do it from the employer perspective first. Our job is to be professional as an employer. Right. And if somebody shows interest in us, we should never ghost them. Right. right. So I'm, I'm not doing it from the recruiter, I'm doing it from the employer perspective. Right. Because all the huge companies here, I don't care if it's a credit card company or a bank or whatever, if 100 people apply and you hire one, you want those other 99 to buy your widget or That's sign right. up for your thing. Mm -hmm. And it's right. just the grown-up thing to do. That's right. From a candidate perspective, like I get it, especially now in this market and certainly during the COVID market, some of it is there's just too much noise and I don't have time. But right. I also think there's a cultural impact here and it's a generational thing. As we get lower into um, the generation that's coming up, a lot of times, especially during COVID, where they were that those two years were stolen from them, right. they do, a lot of them have not been trained to do the social interactions of talking about negative emotions or negative feelings. Mm -hmm. So they just walk away and close their door in their room and don't talk. Right. Right. All right, Amy. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree on the employer side, and I think you know, define ghosting. Right. As long as the employer communicates in some way 
that we have evaluated and we have made a decision, whether that's a go forward or not, is common courtesy, I believe. So I agree there. Um, and on the candidate side, you know, I, I agree that the, the volume when it's a tough market is going to be tough to overcome. I don't see that as un, as unprofessional as I would from the flip side, but agree. it's um, also, I think it's, you know, depends on the position and the level of the position too. I think the higher the level of the position, position and seniority, the more you expect that courtesy. Correct. And so I've been frankly shocked as a candidate to be ghosted at very senior level positions. That's crazy. Which is crazy. Crazy. Like just basic courtesy. Yeah. And this is such a small industry. Oh. Right. So it's not about are you going to go open a credit card with this Ooh. company? It's yeah. like I'm going to burn every bridge around you because I yes. can. And that's yeah. just what happens. Yeah. yeah. And it's just that's a career limiting move, yep. especially at a certain level and in a certain industry, etc. Mm -hmm. Last question is not necessarily a horror story, but a worst candidate experience that you've either felt yourself or that you've been through. Like somebody's come through the process and it just, it didn't work out. Gosh. And it I'm can be struggling. hypothetical. You know, we always have friends. Yeah. You can tell a friend story yeah. if we have to, if it's okay. easier. Okay, I'm pondering, give me a second. I'll tell a friend story. Okay, good, All yeah. Right. Good, good, good. Uh, I had a friend in a very similar position as me and everything was great, resume was great, background check was great. You've heard this, these versions oh, of yes. this story. Yes. Not the same person who showed up. Oh, yeah. oh I've, 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 had that I've had that exact thing happen to me, and uh, I didn't discover it until a month into the bit. Oh. So it, it was shocking, A, but B, I didn't, and my team, we didn't pick up on it soon enough. Oh, so not only did it happen, but it's the fraud, and I'll just call it what I think it was, the fraud was perpetrated and it just kind of kept going for it's a fraud. Yeah. Okay. Good. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have an example of, uh, of that actually happening, but seeing seeing a lot of rampant cheating and like yes. coding interviews, things like that over time is uh, definitely a big question mark. I don't know if I've got a horror story to share, though. Nothing's that's, coming to my mind. That's okay. That's it's okay. been a long day in Vegas. What can I say? No. My mind is blank. You <laughs> are doing fine. Both of y'all. <laughs> I know you got crazy schedules, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having I us. I love the impromptu stop in and do it. Absolutely. Very good. That's what we do. All right. Thank you again, and thanks for everyone listening. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you.